0: Welcome to the Great Futures Podcast, where we explore specific careers and what it takes to be successful in that career by learning from someone who's excelling in that field. Each episode, a teenager, a club alum from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lowell interviews an accomplished professional from a field they're interested in alongside myself. I'm Executive Director Joe Hungler. I'm excited to have Anthony Villa as my co-host today. Anthony is our Youth of the Year, which is the highest honor the Boys and Girls Club has. He's a senior at Greater Lowell Technical High School where he's won multiple awards for web design, including a Gold District Award and Bronze State Award. He's been coming to the clubs for eight years. He started out loving to play basketball and the food program. He's since got involved in a number of programs, including the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race, the Keystone Teen Leadership Club, Diplomas to Degrees, and then he got into first Lego League Robotics, both as a participant and now as a youth coach. He had his first job at the club this past summer, and he's now using those STEM skills and workforce skills he learned at the club, as well as at the Greater Lowell Tech, to build virtual machines as an intern at IBM. So, Anthony, what excites you the most about a career in data science and in software engineering? I think the thing that excites me most
1: about a career in data science and like software engineering is just the aspect of figuring out a puzzle. And taking a mess of things and just figuring out what to do with it and how you can apply it to help you or what you can do with the data that you get from it.
0: And, you know, you're currently working here at the club. Do you think there's experiences that you have here working with kids and and uh, the families here that might apply to future jobs that you have, even though, you know, it isn't necessarily data science related, but do you think there are things that will carry over to uh, to that? Oh, I think it definitely will, because working here with the kids is
1: probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And just having the ability to communicate with other people of different ages will really help with my people skills and building the way I am as a person and being able to interact with people in the workforce, because that's one of the most important things about having a job. Like You could be the greatest programmer or greatest person in whatever field you're in. But if you don't have the ability to talk to people and work with people, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: Cool. What, um, what got you excited about, um, software engineering and and data science, you know, like you talk about why, but, but what, what started it?
1: I think what started it was being young and seeing my uncle build a computer in front of me and that got me into computers and their capabilities. And then once I hit high school, I kind of realized how cool computers really are and the different aspects of them. So I tried to really get into anything that took computers and things that run with computers into one.
0: And then my last question before we get into our interview is, now that you've had your first job, what advice would you give to one of your friends who is about to start their first job in the workforce? One
1: thing I would say is that even though it can be frustrating to work with people, you have to know yourself and know how to calm yourself when you get to those points, because that's one of the biggest things is being able to control yourself and maintain relationships. That's great. There's
0: a lot of adults I know who could use that advice, too. Um, excellent. So now we will uh, bring in um, Tom Walsh from Kronos. All right. Today's guest is Tom Walsh, the senior director of AI and data science, Kronos Mr. Walsh got his bachelor's degree in computer science from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and a PhD in the same field from Rutgers University before working a number of jobs across industry, industries and academia where data science is used. He's had a truly distinguished career and earned recognition for himself and for Kronos with multiple awards, including a number in artificial intelligence. His research is in demand as his work has been published in journals, conference papers, and white papers more than 30 times, and he's also called on to give speeches and present to conferences. Thanks for taking the time to join us on the Great Futures podcast today. Thanks. Good to be here. Excellent. So, Anthony Villa, our Youth of the Year, will uh, have some questions for you. AI is
1: part of a bigger field called data science. So, what really is data science and what else is
2: part of it? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. You know, this this term data science is it's kind of fairly new. Uh, you've probably seen it pop up in maybe the last five to ten years, um, and it covers a really broad range of areas uh, where people are taking data. Uh, you know, which we have more and more of today. And trying to extract insights from it that might help a business uh, or help some other group uh, to, you know, do things more efficiently or to understand kind of how their organization is running or just how to. How to do things better, um, and so inside data science there's a lot of different ways to look at data. Right, you can make a chart, uh, you can run it through a computer to try to figure out uh, which data is leading to good outcomes, um, or you can do all sorts of other stuff with it. And so, data science has got in it, inside it, components like analytics, which is another term you've probably heard, which is about all about making charts so that people can. Uh, see how their data breaks down. Say, if you're looking at different boys and girls clubs across the country and uh, how, how, what their attendance is looking like and that sort of thing, right? You might make a chart of that, but you might also do something more complicated, uh, like using the fields of machine learning or AI to extract even more insights from that data, maybe finding out kind of the reasons behind why uh, a different club might have uh, higher attendance than another or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, in the data science world, it's all about putting that together and making a story or a narrative about it uh, and really finding a way to not just give a bunch of statistics to people, but tell them kind of the story that's uh, that's lying underneath the data. Okay. So, I feel like
1: when people say data science to people who aren't looking into it or aren't really familiar, people get, like, intimidated. Like, oh, data science, does that mean I have to be good at math or science do you really have to like be good at those core subjects, or can it just be like know the basics?
2: No, you got to be good at math. Um, so, like, I mean, so here, here's the thing: there's there's a ton of jargon in there, right? Um, the, this whole world of data science it's built on top of terms that that sometimes are really intimidating, right? Like artificial intelligence, like wow, that's like something out of the Terminator movies, right? It's like it's like how do, how on earth am I going to build robots and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, what it boils down to is you got to you got to know how to apply math and scientific methods. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say, hey, you can come in and you know not know anything about math and, and be like an, an expert data science. But what it is really about is not just knowing the math uh, and the scientific method, but knowing how to apply it in new situations, especially situations that aren't typically thought of as uh, traditional science. Right, so you're not looking at data that was collected in under a laboratory environment, right, where everything is control and variable. You're looking at messy data about you know, say educational outcomes or a bunch of tracking of robots out in a field somewhere or something like that right, and so you've got you've got to be able to know the math, know the science behind it, um but also apply it and and have kind of that real world knowledge to know when to apply the the mathematical skills that you have. Oh,
1: another question I have is why did you choose this field? Like were you always dead set on doing data science or things with it or was it just like a messy journey and you ended up I,
2: It's been a, it's been kind of a messy journey. Um so I, you know First of all, when I got into this, uh, you know, there wasn't anything called data science. Um it was it was really this it was called statistics, I suppose. Um, right? It it didn't have as cool a name. Um and you see that over time, like these things just the, the, the names of everything changes. Um but what I knew was I really liked I really liked science. I liked understanding um kind of the root causes behind why things happened, right? And that that excited me. Um, but I also liked um, I liked being able to uh, apply the kind of scientific methodology that you will that you might do to like figure out how a pendulum swings I liked doing that on a bigger scale I wanted to be answering kind of big problems um, and so I got into this um, I had worked in computer science basically because I was interested in using computers I wasn't so much into the uh, in, in my Kind of early, kind of college years, I wasn't too into the theoretical aspects, I guess. Um, And then I kind of transitioned into getting excited about uh, what's now called AI and machine learning, uh, but understanding how kind of really complex models in computers could explain the world around us um, and could explain. could explain why certain things happened in data and that sort of thing. And I ended up going into a graduate program where uh, where the my focus was in artificial intelligence. Um, it was specifically in a field called reinforcement learning, uh, which is a, a fancy field for a fancy name for uh, a type of AI where you have robots or other agents that kind of have to learn from their environment and learn to do things on their own. Uh, So, I'd I'd worked in that, and uh, I worked in that for a long time, uh, and I still work in that to some degree, but I I do uh, much more applied work in different domains. And so, the messy part of my journey was kind of realizing that I wasn't just interested in in robots. I was interested in how the kind of models that you use for something like a robot could be used to explain things that happen in the real world. So, for instance, I worked a lot in in educational modeling. So, you've got uh, a bunch of data about how... Uh, about how kids have fared in different math classes and in different parts of, of tests in math classes, right? And it turns out, like, some of that stuff is explainable. You, you look at, a, 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 you know, somebody that uh, might have had uh, trouble in one part of math, and then they continued to have trouble because they never got a particular skill. And so, I, I kind of learned how to apply those models along that way. And then, eventually, that kind of brought me to my current job at Kronos, uh, where I helped build models of people at work so um i always like to see like
1: things as puzzles like i'm very i want to figure this out i want to look for an answer and i want to put pieces together so i kind of want to see how you think of it and like data science and your job and just the field you're in now
2: sure yeah so um i i I think i have a similar kind of of uh view i i like to think of it as a mystery Right, so again, going back to that, that narrative and that story, right that's that's in data, right? I, I want to solve the mystery. I, it, it's not so much like kind of who did who did a crime or something, but like why did things turn out this way? What could have been different, right? Or, uh, or or you know, in in the case of things like fraud detection, hey, who did do a crime, right? That sort of thing. And and so that that gets to me. I'm like, hey, I want to solve this mystery, and the data is. The set of clues that helped me solve that.
1: So I, when I'm looking for an answer, sometimes I'm working on a project and I'm just trying to muscle through it and I just can't get it. And I take a break and I go back and the answer just hits me in the face like a truck. (laughs) What was, what was your biggest moment like that? Like, has there ever been a project or something you were working on? where the answer just came to you out of nowhere after a really long time of thinking about it.
2: Yeah. I I definitely try to avoid trucks. um, So I, I I try not to think on the highway too much. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think that that does happen. Like those, those moments of creativity, um, when you're kind of away from a, uh, away from a problem for a bit, because you can get kind of hyper-focused on it. Um, with that being said, I mean I I think there is there's a certain amount of sort of practice reps you got to get. Right? So in order to have that kind of moment on the big stage there, you got to you got to put in the time in the in the practice gym, right? And so uh I I think the moments I think of where that happened are moments where I did a lot of preparation. I was reading a ton, reading a ton of papers, reading a ton of other people's work and understanding how it was doing. It was all kind of mixing up in my head, right? And then eventually it kind of blended into something useful and you kind of have one of those aha moments. But if you haven't poured the right stuff in the blender, that's not going to happen, right? So how do you like train your brain to look for simpler solutions so then you don't have to
1: take as much time? going through a bunch of different complex solutions.
2: You get really lazy. So, I mean, I'm serious. Like, I I think I I sort of, and I think this is true of a lot of the scientists I know, they're, they sort of, they're they're lazy in a good way, in a way that makes them try the simplest solutions first. Cause I know how hard like it's gonna be to build a big thing. And so we do this at Kronos all the time. Is my team uh, at Kronos is a research team, right? So we get we get problems from either Kronos customers or from within Kronos. And we're tasked with with getting answers for it and doing what we call rapid prototyping, right? Get get something that's maybe hooked together with held together with chewing gum and glue, but it, it kind of it's working, right? And it's giving you the right insights, but it's not it's not something that you're going to ship out to someone as a as a product, right? Um, and if you're going to take that kind of rapid prototype mentality, um, you've got to you've got to try to do the simplest things first and so that laziness i talk about is saying like well okay there's there's solution a which is you know fairly uh fairly simple um and there's, there's solution b which we think might get a bigger answer but it might take a lot of time well let's see if we can get solution a first and you build on it um and the good news is that's from a larger kind of software development practice because I know we're talking a little bit about data science and software engineers. That's a software engineering methodology too. It's, it's something called agile methodology. It's you know a fancy term for for kind of taking it slow and like that and and getting getting your easy answers first.
1: So let's take a step back and go to like the beginning of your journey. So like in high school, what was your favorite thing to do or what was your
2: favorite class? Favorite class? So, um, I, you know, I was definitely drawn more to the the math and science courses. I think, although you know, I I really I enjoyed a lot of things in high school. I think I you know I, I enjoyed history and English and all that stuff too. Um, but the stuff I still use today is definitely uh, all the computer programming courses I took in high school. I still have that that kind of knowledge that I'm still using every day today in my real life. Um, and the math, it turns out, was really important, too. I spend a lot of my day uh, having to run numbers quickly in my head, right? And it's not like I'm doing that to to feed them over to somebody's dashboard or some customer. What I'm doing there is people are coming to me and saying, like, hey, this this number went up by 30%. And I got it in my head, like, really quickly. I'd be like, okay, how much is that, right? Um, and so, a
0: lot of those kind of tricks I learned in high school, I still use today. So, I'm curious. You know, you talked about the um, storytelling earlier. Yeah. And how do you translate stuff when you're talking to Anthony, you might talk in one way because he understands at least more data science than I do. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming when you tell those stories, you're telling them to people that are more like me that may not have as quite a uh, understanding of data science. And what, what skills would a data scientist need to work on to be able to, to not just understand it themselves, but be able to translate that to
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And it's not really, it's not translating it to laymen as much as, as subject matter experts. Right. So like, maybe you don't have a background in data science, right. But you know all about this club. Right. And so if I'm going to come into you and be like, Hey, I made all these graphs and I've kind of figured out what's working at your club and what's not like whoa, man, like, wait a minute here. (laughs) This is my term, right? Um, And so you got to have, I think you have to have, so first you have to have that kind of humility to say like, there is all this stuff I don't know. I may have a bunch of data, I may have a lot of fancy math and models behind it, but you've got to have that humility to know like, hey, there is missing data here, there is just stuff I don't know that other people know. You also have to change your your language, right? And it's not so much your language level as much as uh, just the the vocabulary you're using, right? You want to talk in terms of the domain. So we have this at Kronos. We have customers that are in running hospitals. We have customers that are running big retail chains. We have nonprofits for customers. We got all kinds of different people I gotta to talk to. I gotta change my language every time I talk to one of them. If I go into a hospital and start telling them about how uh how something worked in a retail store, they'll be like, Yeah, I kind of see it, but like. I ain't running a retail store here, right? I'm running a hospital. There's people, there's people in the ER over there. What are you talking about? So you gotta, you gotta change that story and you gotta, you gotta give them the narrative in their own language. Um, and I think that's a big part of the data science kind of revolution there is that communication there. Cause if you're not doing that, it's, it's hard for people on an applied side to really take you seriously.
1: So when you were younger, did you have a mentor or like a coach or someone that inspired you to get into this field or not even when you were younger, but as you were moving through the field, did you have someone that you looked to for guidance? And yeah.
2: Help? Yeah. You know, um, and I, all throughout my career, I've been really, um, lucky to have a lot of really helpful mentors throughout. Um, and uh, you know, I had a, a really get, great advisor in grad school. I had a really great advisor in undergrad who kind of was uh, one of the, the first people to teach me about AI, and I was like, "Whoa, this is a thing! This is not just a you know a Terminator movie thing." Kind of demystified a lot of that, um, and really throughout the steps in my career, I've, I've had different mentors at different levels that have really shown me how to do things new, right? So we're Kronos now. I've you know mentors that show me how to apply this stuff in business as opposed to academia and that sort of thing. Uh, So I'm not sure if it's one person, but there's been a lot, Uh, you know, the thing I tell people is uh, from that perspective is to just learn everything you can from everybody you meet. You know, everybody's got kind of a different perspective about how, uh, about how, you know, the world works and uh, it's important to kind of be able to kind of see through their eyes, that sort of thing.
1: So what do you think separates people who are successful in this field versus people who aren't as successful in this field?
2: Um, so, uh, you know, it really depends on what part of data science you're in, right? There's, there's parts that are a lot more theoretical, um, and, and then there's, there's parts that are a lot more applied. I'd say from a business perspective, if you're doing data science, um, man, that narrative piece that I keep coming back to is so important. That ability to tell a story, um, you know, there's a lot of people in this business that can make graphs and it's another thing to really put together. A story. It's it's almost like when I use the word narrative intentionally here, right? It's it's like putting together a three act play, sort of. You want to kind of get you want to get your your problem like up front, and then you want to kind of put in the dramatic kind of crescendo, and then and then you want to have the resolution, right? And if you can find three graphs or three three pieces of data that give that that show like, hey, here's your problem. You know, this hospital X, you are running lots and lots of overtime. In fact, it's costing you a ton of money. Right. That's the part of this first part of the story. And like um, and look, we've identified like we've identified the actual locations where all that overtime is happening. And uh, I don't know, it might be fraud, might be something else. Right. There's your crescendo. And then there's a resolution of like, here's how you could fix that. Right. So there's a story I just told you and you're thinking in your heads like exactly how it's going. I haven't shown you a single graph. Right. And so I got to be able to tell that story. And there's graphs behind me to prove I didn't just make it up but i got to be able to put that together not just hand them like hey here's three graphs go figure it out and if you can tell that kind of story and get them get that going in their head without even looking at the pictures behind you that's really a, a, a making of a successful data science engagement and partnership
1: so is that your favorite part about the job like making stories and helping people understand or is there something else that you like more
2: um, yeah i'd say the kind of i mean there's there's two parts of what i do there 's kind of this uh i 'm waving my hands literally for those of you on youtube and that that kind of part where i 'm kind of on on stage and stuff i 'd say that 's that 's my favorite part of that um there's also a part of me that really likes the math and the research uh, to be honest there, there's definitely a part of me that just likes to dig into you know journal papers and understand uh kind of the inner workings of everything um, and I think there's there's room for that in anything you do, right? So, um, you know, it, it, I'd say, you know, going back to that narrative and kind of showpiece, it's it's kind of like an actor may like being on stage, right? But they also like, you know, being in rehearsal and, and directing and that sort of thing. One question I had
0: is, Kronos is famous for its culture and being one of the best places to work in the country. Um, not every organization's like that, obviously. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a ranking system. <laughs> uh, and uh, so... From the employee point of view, um, but whether at Kronos or other places, what do you see where um, an employee maybe starting in their career? A, how do you adapt to a culture? How do you figure out what the culture is? And then I'll have a follow up, you know, af- afterwards. But like, how do you how do you adapt and figure out how to make sure you're fitting in with the culture?
2: Right, right, right. Well, I mean, you're you're right. We have a a great culture at Kronos. Um, it's a it's a really great place to work because of the people there uh, and because of you know all the different. Uh, kind of both written and unwritten benefits that we have at Kronos in, in terms of respect and the unwritten stuff, kind of respecting each other and respecting each other's time and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think you know if you're entering, you're asking more about like entering into a job. It's like day one and like, hey, how do I make sure I don't rock the boat the wrong way here, right? And I think uh, you know observation is clearly a really important part of it. Like, hey, you know, am I? Uh, you know, is this a culture where people are kind of having fun and freewheeling, or is it more of kind of a button-down culture and that sort of thing, and being able to observe that way? Um, but, you know, I think a lot of organizations now have kind of moved to a, a, a more kind of holistic environment where everybody's kind of uh, respected a lot more, and that's a good thing in the business community. Um so I think just kind of understanding those nuances is important. But you know, hey, be yourself too. Like if you're not if you're not going to fit into the culture at all here, if this is, you know, at, at whatever company you're at, then uh you know, you're going to figure that out eventually, right? And you don't want to you don't want to pretend to be someone else just because you're working somewhere, right?
1: Um so I have another question so um what was one of your favorite projects that you've like done in data science
2: oh favorite projects that we've done in data science so um yeah man there's there's been a there's been a lot right so i give i' give kind of one early in my career and and one uh one later on um so i did uh a lot of work in robotics uh where I was working on problems uh of how I mentioned before, like how a robot can figure out what to do in its environment, but I also worked a lot on how, um, how people can show robots kind of demonstrations that will help them understand it. So, if a robot's struggling to get across the room here, you kind of take it with the remote control and walk it across the room. And all of a sudden, you know, it's got a lot of data about the good parts of the room and that sort of thing. And we, uh, we did a project when I was in grad school with an actual robot like that with a similar task and showed that it was able to learn really, really fast when you did that. And that was kind of a a satisfying moment for me to see like a whole bunch of math that we did actually happen in the real world. Like, whoa, that robot just walked across the room. That was pretty cool. Um, from a Chrono side, you know, that's that's kind of a micro version. That's kind of the academic school version. Uh, on the Chrono side, like I've worked on a lot of projects that have touched real businesses. So we've done. Uh, bunch of applications at Kronos um, uh, around, around fraud that have been highly successful, uh, that have helped a lot of organizations kind of uh, figure out areas where, where they may have kind of put in rules that were inconsistent or something like that and helped a lot of people. Um, and it's really that part of it uh, has been very fulfilling for me because you get to really see the impact on people. Um, so one of the things we like to think about at Kronos is, hey, these aren't just numbers. These numbers represent people that are at work, people that are doing their jobs, and if we can help them do their jobs better, that's that's a really exciting thing. So, have you always been in like
1: data science and analytics and things like that?
2: Um, to some degree, yeah. I mean, I've always been doing quantitative things. Um, I, I have worked in, I think I mentioned before, I did some educational modeling stuff and educational assessment work. Um, so when I was doing that, I was more kind of focused on the the educational aspects of it and a little less. I was still doing quantitative stuff, but much more on a single application. Um, but, you know, at, at Kronos, I, as I mentioned, I kind of have this research team uh, that I work with that um, has comes from really, really different backgrounds. So, my background's all like kind of core data science, computer science stuff. But we've got folks on our team from all over. We've got a, a trained seismologist. We've got someone that's trained in meteorology. Right? We've got real scientists. We've got a few physicists. Uh, we've got kind of software engineers. Uh, people with all sorts of different backgrounds. Because it it really takes a a diverse set of viewpoints uh, to build a data science team. Um, And it's also the, the kinds of skills you learn as a hard scientist, right? If you're doing physics or chemistry... Those things you learn about the scientific method about, hey, I change one variable and then I test its impact and that sort of thing. Those are the kind of things you apply in data science. Um, and so that's been uh, my experience is it, you can really come from a lot of different directions in this field. It's not just one kind of trajectory.
1: So what's it like working with people that come from those other different kinds of sciences, like the harder sciences?
2: Yeah. So it's yeah. So it's um, it, it's really great because you get to... Uh, they will know things about modeling uh, about modeling different phenomena that I've just never thought of, right? So, we're looking at. Uh, so, Kronos does a lot of retail work with with uh, big retailers, right? And so, we're trying to build out a way for a way to understand uh, how big events impact those retailers. So, big big sales events, big holidays, that sort of thing. We had all these these graphs lying around that showed big jumps or big dips around around these days. And, uh, one of the guys on on my team, as I said, was a seismologist looked at him and goes, that's an earthquake. I go, Oh, that's a what? He's got, yeah, I, I know how to work with that. Just give me that. Right. And so that, that's really, that's exciting when someone goes like, I know what that is. I've seen that before and something totally different. Um, and that's, that's really exciting.
0: We have some lightning round questions. Oh, all right. Is there a tool that's been most helpful in your job over your career?
2: Um, yeah, so I, I'd say, uh, not one single tool, but, uh, just having the background in kind of basic programming and that sort of thing has been really helpful. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the work I have to do, you have to kind of build from scratch. And so that's, that's an important tool. Do you have a favorite quote or phrase that you might use at work? Um, I'd say the, that thing I mentioned before that they're, they're not just numbers, right? It's, it's, it's all about people. That's great.
0: And do you have a favorite uh, book or podcast or something you'd recommend to somebody interested in a career in data science? Yeah. um, I think just uh, my
2: advice on that, I I don't know a specific one, but I'd say find your level and also vet the people that that are doing it. There's a lot of people making a lot of statements and articles out there about data science. Really easy to Google those people and see like, hey, do they have a paper trail? Do they, have they done anything? Uh, It's a good thing to do. Excellent.
0: Well, At this point, we get to turn the tables a little bit, and uh, you get to ask Anthony a question. Uh, that you might ask somebody starting out at Kronos um, in the field of data science that he might get in a job interview.
2: All right. going to put you on the spot here, Anthony. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh boy, okay. no, so, uh, so one of the big things that we find in, in data science is uh, the data doesn't always look like you think it does. So, can you tell me about a time, and this can either involve data or it doesn't have to, but a time in your life when you had kind of an intuition about how something was probably working and then you found out that that intuition was just wrong
1: the first thing that comes to mind is when we were programming our robot for our robotics competition. We were at the Boys and Girls Club in Leominster. And two rounds had gone, two out of the three rounds had gone by. And our bot just wasn't working. We couldn't score any points. Everything we were trying was going down the drain. And I looked at it and I was like, maybe this will work. And I tested it or I fixed it. What I thought was the issue. I tested it. And then our testing time was over. So I got one test down, but it worked. And I was like, okay, so this should work when we get to the field. We got to the field. I hit start on the program and it didn't work at all. And our bot just kind of stayed there in the starting area. I was like, oh, oh no, (laughs) this doesn't look good. And at that point there was no going back. We couldn't fix the code. We couldn't move pieces around on the robot. So we kind of had to just sit there for the rest of the round. And then by the end of it, we got back to our club the Monday after and I took a look at it and I found out that the reasoning was completely different in the code than I had thought of at first. And I kind of kicked myself in the foot for it, but it took a, a lot more testing than what we had time for. And that's one of the best things I learned is that like, you can't just test a little bit. You have to test a lot to get things to
2: work. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. I'd say it's true throughout software so that's a that's a great lesson to learn and it's uh good you kind of uh, ingested that um i guess my other question would be um you know we, we've talked a little bit about kind of where where i came from from a trajectory and journey but we, i don't know if we've talked that much about the future but like what's your vision for ways that you could use data science computing that sort of thing in the future like 10 years from now, what would you like to be working on? Like what kind of problems do you want to solve?
1: Hmm. That's that's a good question. Um, One problem I really want to solve is getting people to find things that they really like to do. Because one thing I've seen a lot working at the Boys and Girls Club and seeing people even at my own school in my own grade is that a lot of people around my age don't really know what they want to do. And then they also don't want to try new things. So I kind of want to create something to help people figure out what they like and maybe give them things that they can try that are interesting to them and see it if if it will bring them to the path that is best for them or even just give them something to try because I think that if you don't try anything then you're not really going to get anywhere.
2: Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, you know, that those kind of recommender systems are, are used certainly throughout the industry and in, in things around advertising, right? You're on your phone and it's, you know, spraying you with a bunch of ads telling you to buy this and buy that. But, uh, you know, that could be really helpful for folks kind of looking for new things to try, right? And it can be if you're just being asked to do all these like five random things that you don't actually want to do. Hey, you know, that might not be something you want to do. But if you can identify things that people are much more likely to get involved in, hey, that's going to open up their world a little bit. So, I think that's a wonderful idea.
0: Well, that's great. Thanks so much for coming down today, Tom. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know I learned a lot and uh, appreciate your time.
2: Thanks. Really appreciate you guys having me. Uh, you guys got a, a great club going here. I like the tour you gave me before. There's a lot of great work going on here. So, keep it up.
0: So, Anthony, now that you heard from Tom, uh, Tom Walsh from Chronos. Does a career in data science still sound like something that uh, you want to explore? Um, I still
1: think it seems interesting. I really like anything to do with computers. So just the fact that it has it's part of the bigger field of using computers, but also like the way you use it, is really interesting to me. Even more so now than before. Because before I wasn't exactly sure what data science really was, but after talking to Tom... Just the implications of it really interest me, and I would be really excited
0: to get into a field like that. That's awesome. Is there anything that uh, you learned today that is that's something that you think you can take action on, whether it's today or in the future? Um,
1: I think that the, what I can take from this is that the little things that we do or say have a bigger impact than we think they do. And even the littlest things you do will have some of the biggest effects on anything else, on something you wouldn't even
0: think of. Mm-hmm. Cool. What answer that he gave surprised you the most?
1: Um, I think
0: the answer he gave about,
1: or not really the answer, but the response to um, what I would like to use this field for, where I said that I want to use this field for, um, to help people around my age find things they want to do really surprised me because it seemed like he liked the idea. And it kind of, I kind of got this feeling like he was doing something that was already on that track. So I'm excited to see in the future how my idea could come to life, even if it's not me doing it, just the fact that someone else had a similar idea and is bringing it to life really excites me.
0: Cool. One of the things that um, I found interesting was when he talked about marrying data science and storytelling. What what was your reaction to that?
1: Um, I really liked that analogy because you can be a great data scientist, but if you can't explain to your customers or the people that you're working with what it is you're trying to do, then you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to become successful and you have to be able to sell what you're trying to do. And if you can't do that, then
0: I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. You won't, you won't be successful, as you said. I think that one of the things that was really interesting to me for that was he talked about the importance of humility when you do that. And he's somebody, if you look at his resume, 90% of people are going to say, oh, he's the smartest guy in the room. And he goes into it as, I need to be humble and realize that these people know more about me than other things. Just because I'm really good at math doesn't mean I'm the smartest person in the room and uh, I thought that was really interesting so thanks for being my co-host today I really enjoyed it I'm glad you picked a uh, a great topic that I think that uh, people will find interesting and um, so we appreciate you being on thank you for having me so until next time everybody club love great futures podcast is brought to you by the boys and girls club of greater Lowell. special thanks to co-host Anthony
1: Villa and this episode's guest Tom Walsh Executive producers for Great Futures Podcasts are Joe Hungler and Ava Dudon. Thanks to production assistants Caitlin Champeau and Arielle Alisea. Music, production, and editing by Phoenix McKinley.